Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 286. Australia is regularly voted one of the world's top cruise destinations, and if you've ever seen photos of the country, you'd quickly understand why. The endless summer weather, incredible beaches, along with Sydney's scenic natural harbor and iconic landmarks, make cruising down under an incredible experience. And while it's downright bitter cold in North America and Europe, Australia is in the middle of another big cruise season. On this episode of the podcast, we take a look at the current cruise season and share tips and advice for cruising from Sydney. Here we go. Here in North America, it may be the middle of winter, but down under in Australia, it's actually the middle of the cruising season. And Australia cruising has never been more popular, with more Royal Caribbean ships going there and a lot more people taking cruises down under, whether they're Aussies, Kiwis, or even weird Americans who decide to go on a 24-hour flight down all the way over there for a cruise, and everyone else in between, of course. And Australia cruising is really, you know, something that I said, mm, I, uh, it's something we haven't really covered all that much. And it was also an excuse to bring back one of my favorite guests of all time, one of the nicest people on the internet. That's how you know it wasn't Billy, by the way, because he's not nice. But we do have, of course, Pippa from Ocean Time here joining me. Welcome back to the podcast, Pippa. Thank you, Matt. Great to be back. And, you know, I love talking all cruising as well. Absolutely. Now, and Pippa, since obviously you do live in Australia, I, you must understand just as well as we do here in North America, there's something really nice about being able to take a cruise that's in your quote-unquote backyard. Oh, it's it's the best, and especially if you live in that city. So if you live in Sydney and you can, you know, get a last-minute deal or just the fact that you could be home in 20 minutes, it's awesome. Absolutely. You know, the Australian cruise season is uh, just it's a lot like the European cruise season in that there's a certain amount of months of the year in which there are Royal Caribbean ships in port. And uh, they come down there. A lot of them uh, maybe spend some time in Asia during the rest of the year or some actually go over to North America. Explorer the Seas is a great example of that. She does Alaska and then comes down here for uh, 2018-2019. And then, um, of course, they, you know, every year there's always a little bit of a shuffle. So, <coughs> excuse me, so to speak. So, um you know, we have a this year in as it's right now we're in the middle of the cruising season in Australia, is that right? Yes, yes. We've got Explorer, Radiance, and Ovation down here at the moment. Awesome. So where do these ships sail out of? Where are the uh where where do they call home while they're in Australia? Yep. Sydney, Australia. So it's um the biggest um, capital city in Australia. I think it's 5 million people. Um, and there is, I equal it to probably New York City and maybe Miami, but I'm, I sort of have lovely memories there. But sailing out of that harbour, it is spectacular with the Harbour Bridge. You have the Sydney Opera House and just really great photo opportunities. And it looks like also, Pippa, that Explorer the Seas is going to call Newcastle home in February 2019. And evidently, the port of Newcastle is going to, is doing some upgrades to allow megaships to berth uh, in the area. This, that seems like something that's kind of interesting and new. I'm not even. I'm honestly, I have no idea where Newcastle is in in Australia, <laughs> but uh, it's going to offer some options there to, for some folks who may not be able to get as easily down to Sydney. Okay, so Newcastle is about a two-hour drive north of Sydney and it's sort of the gateway, if you've heard of the Hunter Valley uh, wineries. Yes. So that's a great option. I don't know if it's going to be home, though. I think it's just stopping in, like it's just a port. 
O'Call in there. Right, right. Yeah, there. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So you've got, obviously, a Voyager-class ship. You've got a Radiance-class ship. You have a Quantum-class ship sailing out of Australia. And talk to us about, um, you know, the type of cruises you're going to find in Australia. Are they longer sailings, like maybe you find in Europe? Are they more like North American sailings, where they're like, you know, maybe seven nights or or maybe even shorter? What's your kind of take on that? Yeah, I'm really happy that they have the different classes of ships. You know, there's that variety, which is fantastic. And when it comes to Australia, because – um, they go to New Zealand or the South Pacific, it is longer cruises. So you're looking at probably nine to 14 night cruises. They do have probably two or three each season on each ship, a uh, three-night sailing just for a sampler to, you know, get the new people in, um, get that weekend, cra- weekend crowd. Um, and I actually find it that a lot of Australians are moving up the Crown and Anchor uh, membership really fast because we have those, you know, 14-night sailing. So if you do two cruises a year, you're going to be moving really fast. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You know, for, for folks that do take the longer sailings, it really does behoove you. And you know, obviously for, for Aussies, as well as I think a lot of Brits as well who prefer to take those longer vaca- holidays, sorry, they, uh, you know, you're going to rack up that status pretty quickly. Yeah, and we, we have, you've got the Trans-Pacific cruises, which are anywhere from 16, 17 night cruises, which are very popular. They didn't used to be, but now, like, everyone wants to get on them, going from Hawaii to Sydney or Sydney-Hawaii. Oh, nice. That is a cool option. My parents just did a trans-Pacific crossing from Seattle down to Sydney, so they did both legs of it. I know they break it up in in Hawaii there, but uh, they said it was an incredible, incredible sailing. And just, it's you know, it's definitely a different kind of cruise, but different in a really good way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we haven't even talked about the whole flight. So I think that was a great option for them because it's actually – like an hour, hour and a half quicker flying from Australia to America than it is from America to Australia. So I think they they planned that very well. Awesome. Um, so with that in mind, let's talk about some of the options here in Australia and, and some of the places. Almost like, you know, if you're looking at anyone, I mean, a lot of this, obviously, we're in the middle of the 2018-2019 summer season, but maybe a lot of folks are looking already forward to that 2019-2020. There'll be some changes next season with some of the lineup there, but at least we've got some, you know, some basic starting points there. And you mentioned Sydney, of course, the embarkation port for pretty much all sailings that go out of Australia. And what's your recommendations, Pippa, for anyone visiting Sydney? Is it a good port to stay? Is it a good city to stay in the night before? Would you recommend staying elsewhere? How do you kind of plan going out of yeah. uh, Sydney? Sydney is beautiful. It's, um, like I said, it's the capital city of New South Wales. Uh, the food, the the seafood is amazing there. You, you've heard of Bondi Beach. It's very most famous beach in Australia. Um, they have, it's called the Taronga Zoo, which is on the north side of the harbour and the views from there as well are spectacular. To see a ship sailing in or out from there is magnificent. Um, and, yeah, it's like any other capital city. It's beautiful. Absolutely. Now, talk some of the things that you can visit, depending on the itinerary you're doing, just like in North America where you maybe go to the Western Caribbean or you go Southern Caribbean or wherever, there's a lot of different choices in Australia as well. I think one of the big ones, I would think at least, would be the Great Barrier Reef and being able to see that. And from what I understand, certain ports allow you to spend more time 
in areas that are closer to there. I'm talking about like maybe Townsville or Cairns. I'm sorry, I did not say that right, but <laughs> Cairns. So like Cairns. Cairns in France, it's yeah, Cairns or look, Cairns in France and Cairns in Australia. Yes, absolutely. Like you can do the Great Barrier Reef scuba diving, which is magnificent. That it's straight. You can uh, you take a smaller boat out to the Great Barrier Reef and yeah, experience it all. It's fantastic. And some ships yeah do have overnights for that. You know, one of the sailings I always thought was pretty cool was the ones that circumnavigate Australia because, of course, Australia being an island, you get to it's a continent and an island, but you get to you can actually take some sailings that bring you all the way around. Have you ever done one of those sailings? Uh, no, I've only sort of done the top half. Top so, um, like Sydney, Brisbane, Cairns, Darwin. Absolutely. Um, and really, is it is it safe to say the circumnavigation ones are the only ones in which you could visit a place like Perth? Yes, very true. So I think the Radiance is doing that, and it's to circumnavigate is thirty four nights. Oh, which wow. again is really really popular. <laughs> thirty four nights, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. That's a month at over a month at sea. Which, by the way, sign me up for. But geez, that's a long. I mean, that's like that's longer than some of the repositioning cruises. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it, I think it leaves Sydney. Then goes the top half and then gets to Perth and you can get on or off and then from Perth back around to Sydney, which would go from Perth, Adelaide, Hobart, Melbourne and New Zealand. So mm. it's great itineraries. And I would love to talk about Perth. Yes, <laughs> So where, where, where you dock is it's called Fremantle. It's an old shipping kind of town. You can catch a train into the city. But have you ever heard of Rottnest Island? Uh, no, I have not. I've heard of Rock Lobster from the B-52s. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> Rottnest Island is a 30-minute sort of ferry ride off the coast of Perth, and they have these animals called quokkas. And they're sort of small kangaroos. And it's very famous to take quokka selfie. And so, yeah, um, Google it, look it up, Instagram it. They're just the cutest animals. And you take these quokka selfies with them. And it's just beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll take your word for that one. Um how about you know one thing I've always I've always wondered about what what about cruising to Tasmania? That seems to be a very common choice in terms of itineraries. How do you uh, how would you describe a cruise to Tasmania? Which by the way, for those who aren't aware, Tasmania is a small island just south of Australia, uh, southeast yeah. really. But what, yeah. what kind of a cruise is that like? Uh, it's it's actually the people talk about rough weather. Yep. And it doesn't have to be rough at all for really the motion in the ocean when it comes to Tasmania. Uh, it's called the Tasman Sea. It can get really, really windy and rough. Um, but if you're on a good day, it's it's beautiful. But, I've, like, I've never had it bad, bad. But I just want to let you know. Good. Um, but Hobart is, is a beautiful sort of – is similar to New Zealand, I think similar to England, the countryside, the hills, the grass. Uh, they have right, you dock right downtown. Um, every Saturday they have markets, Salamanca markets, and the fresh food is just amazing. Uh, if you go during, uh, what is it, December, January, they have a, 
Taste of Tasmania where they have these huge tents and it's just all the fresh food, um, cheese, alcohol for Tasmania and it's just such an event. It's huge. And then you've also got the Sydney to Hobart Yacht Race that actually comes in and uh, docks there as well. So if there's a ship in at that time, it's a great atmosphere. It's, it's really sensational. They also have a museum called Mona, which is, I believe, world famous. It's it's amazing. It's actually a gentleman created it, um, paid for it off his own bat, and it's actually free for any Tasmanian to go to this museum. But it's just the things they have there uh, – don't want to say undescribable, but they're very out there. <laughs> I would highly recommend it, though. Awesome. And uh, it seems like also there's some shorter sailings that go to Tasmania. I know that Radiance of the Seas is doing a, a five-nighter there, so that's kind of like you know nice kind of getaway sort of cruises yes. as well. Yes. Uh, now, of course, we talk a lot about Australia, but of course right next – not next door, but very close by, you've got New Zealand, and obviously that's a big – uh, a cruising destination as well because a lot of Royal Caribbean ships head there just as much as, as around Australia. What are some of your favorite ports in, in New Zealand, Pippa? Um, they've got the fjords there that um, unfortunately, depending on the weather, is whether they get in or not. And some people complain because they might have cruised two times to New Zealand and hadn't got in there. Um, but it's all up to the weather. You've got Dunedin, which is beautiful, uh, Auckland, which is very similar to Sydney with the harbour, um, and then you've got the small towns on the east coast. So, like, not fishing villages, but just really quaint, nice nice little towns. Absolutely. Uh, some really, really cool spots over there, and, I mean, just beautiful natural beauty to be seen. Uh, not only yes. in Australia, but also in New Zealand as well, and just uh, and they also have, um, I believe, the like the Hobbits or the was it the Lord of the Rings? Like yes, they have tours of that. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah. Would you say? Here's a question for you. Would you say that when you're talking about cruises down under and cruises that go off Australia, you know, would you say is it like a fifty fifty split between cruises that sail? you know, Australia slash New Zealand or, and then the rest go to like the South Pacific or the South Pacific kind of like the outliers. They don't really, there aren't that many of them, but they are, you know, obviously available. No, I think, uh, I think there's more South Pacific than New Zealand, but there are, I think the Radiance does a lot of New Zealand because it's a smaller ship. It can get in easier. Um, So yeah, I think it depends on the ship, but we do a lot of South Pacific. Interesting. Okay. And, um, you know, when we talk also about, about cruising in Australia, um, one thing is I was, I was actually doing some research beforehand, Pippa, and it seems that this – I was unaware of this, that for residents of the U.S. and Canada, you need to get – before you can visit Australia, you need something called the Electronic Travel Authority or ETA, which you can apply yep. for online. It's kind of an e-visa basically. Yeah. Yeah, and the same for Australians when we visit America. Okay. And for Europeans, uh, they just need to obtain something called the free e-visitor visa. Um, so it sounds, seems like there's a little different rules depending on where you live. But I honestly, I would have thought I could have if I really wanted to and I don't want to. But if I wanted to hop on an airplane right now and head to Australia, I thought I could totally just do that. But uh, Matt, I need to- Matt, Matt, you know that you have a free cruise out of Sydney anytime. <laughs> oh, you're killing me, Pippa. I just, it's just that plane ride. It's like, oh, Look, gosh. you can break it up. You can stop in L.A. You can stop in Hawaii. Please. 
No, that's actually worse. I don't want to get I, I need to get on an airplane one time. That's it. I don't want to. I don't want to get on and off like three different times. That's uh, it, it's it's a different kind of torture altogether to have to do it, uh, multiple times. Also, it's it's really funny because the hurricane season, the cyclone season for Australia and the South Pacific, is between November and April, and that's basically our cruise season. So that's a lot like the you know the hurricane season here in in North America, where it is still a time where a lot of people go cruising. But you're yeah, that it's just you know it's part of the part of the game, if you will. Yeah, if people don't question it or look at it, but you know we, I've on a lot of sites and people question about hurricane season in America and when's the best time to cruise, and they're like, oh, don't go hurricane season, but. Any cruising out of Australia at the moment for Royal Caribbean, it's during our hurricane season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I, I suspect by the same token, it doesn't it doesn't stop you from going. Oh out no, the time no way, no, I'm there. And I actually, I was on. Oh, it might have been the Legend, and we had to change course because of a cyclone. And to me, we went to a different island and. It doesn't bother me at all. Like it, it is about the ship and it's about the experience. It's not necessarily about any port in particular because cool. I'll get there. Yeah, and and to that point, that raises a good question. So you've got essentially three different ships, three different classes of ships in Australia this season. You've got a Radiance-class ship, Radiance. You've got Explorer, which is a Voyager class, and Ovation and Quantum class. So Pippo, if you're choosing, I know everyone's a different answer, but in your opinion, if you had to pick one, um, all things being equal, not looking at price or anything like that. This is just a what's your what would be the one you would pick and why? <laughs> um, I would say Explorer, just because I really like the size, I like what it offers. Um, if I was traveling with my kids, though, I would probably have to pick Ovation. Oh, just- so that the the amenities on board really make a difference for you. Yeah, yeah, because for me, it really is about the ship as the destination, not where I'm going. Hmm, interesting. You know, and um, speaking of the Voyager class, you know, what's interesting is next year, if we can fast forward a little bit, just to take a peek at next year's season, you know, you're yes, swapping but- out uh, Explorer for Voyager. But what's really interesting about Voyager is not only is it just that, you know, oh, it's just another Voyager class ship, whatever. But I think your kids are going to be pretty darn interested because Voyager is going to be, before she arrives back in Australia, she's getting a major makeover as part of the Royal Amplified program. This is the same program upgrades that we've seen with Independence of the Seas and Mariner of the Seas and we're about to see with Navigator. Uh, you know, do you think that's going to factor into your decision? Absolutely. No, it's it definitely will be a game changer and I think Australia is going to love it. Absolutely. Yeah, well, it looks incredible. And then, um, you know, obviously Ovation has, be, has been uh, become kind of a, a crowd favorite as well, sailing down in Australia and offering those, you know, having a quantum class ship is just, it, it's it's really cool. Yeah. Yep. You know, and it's just, uh, it makes a big difference, no question about it. So Yeah. And I haven't spoken about my home, well, my hometown. I live in Brisbane. Yes. And Brisbane, hopefully, fingers crossed and toes crossed, is getting, well, we are getting a new cruise ship terminal. Good. And I'm hoping in 2020, like November, we will be getting a Royal Caribbean ship out of Brisbane. That's what I'm hoping for. But when ships do come here, um, have you, was it the Crocodile Hunter? 
Yes, Steve Earle. Yeah, so his zoo is an hour north called Australia Zoo, so that's always popular. And then there's another uh, sort of zoo, Lone Pines Koala Sanctuary, which you get to go and hold a koala and feed the kangaroos, and I definitely recommend that as well. Oh, beautiful. Do you, um, Which ships currently stop in Brisbane? Um, so the legend went out of, out of Brisbane for a season, um, but at the moment, it's just when they're repositioning, that's when they stop. Or there is actually a Queensland um, cruise. So it will stop in, I think, Newcastle, but Brisbane, Cairns, and then it goes to, it's, it's sort of, <laughs> it goes around a Willis Island, and that's sort of a little bit of international um, waters that, yeah, it's not yeah. just Australia. Sorry. <laughs> And Australia doesn't have the same rules that the U.S. does about having to visit a foreign port. They can do – Royal Caribbean can do cruises that just visit exclusively Australian ports, right? That's correct, yes. But the shop where they sell the alcohol and the cigarettes duty-free, that's not open because we don't go in – we're not duty-free and we're not going to another country. So they just close that shop down for that cruise. But saying that all the jewelry and the clothes, that's – those shops are still open. Okay. That makes sense. Um, you know, yeah. inevitably, Pippa, I've got to talk about food. And um, when we're talking about Australia, what do you think are some if, – if I was coming to Australia and I actually you, – you finally convinced me to come down there and spend 24 hours on an airplane. When I came to from my coma uh, after the flight, what would you say would be that some of the – what are like the top three Australian foods? Um, oh, so there's Moreton Bay Bugs which, um, yeah, a huge Bugs. people love them. Yeah. So seafood, seafood, it's so fresh in Australia, definitely. Um, then you've got like meat, 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 beef <laughs> and meat. <laughs> you could have gone um, with it. I would have no, I'd be like, oh, that's what they call beef in Australia, <laughs> meat. Okay. I don't know. It's, it's a new thing. Yeah, it's catching on. <laughs> Um, and then I'm going to go away from food and actually say, like, wine, alcohol, you know, like I was talking about the Hunter Valley, you know, and even um, Tasmania, we have, it's a sort of a vodka spirit, but it's made in Tasmania and it's sort of, I don't want to say with twigs and berries kind of thing, but it's just got this flavour infused in it. It's magnificent. So, yes, f- the fresh seafood, the beef and or even, oh, Lamb as well, I guess. Lamb is, you know, great because, again, it's just so fresh, especially New Zealand lamb. Yeah, food's pretty good down here. Uh, what would the um, – spe- uh, you were totally – I forgot about the lamb, actually. I know that – not that this is any – anyway, real, you know, uh, indication of the real deal, but in uh, Disney World they have a food and wine festival every year. And for Australia, I remember the lamb is always a big – is a big um, winner over there. Um, yeah. It, Speaking of that, though, speaking of food, is there a restaurant in Sydney that you would recommend for somebody who's coming to Australia? Is there like a a go to restaurant for if you want to have like good Australian food? No, I have no idea. I don't live in Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I, there's okay. a casino. There's a casino in Sydney called Star Casino, and they have a lot of restaurants. Um, and then there's a couple of famous chefs. I think his name is Rockpool or something. But no, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We'll put it up. If anybody, if any of our listeners have any good recommendations for good Aussie eats, 
uh, down yes. there. I would love to hear that. Please post them in the uh, comments on this week's episode. Yes, we, do, we, we don't have Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Are you telling me that's not authentic Australian food? Yeah, I'd never heard of the Blooming Onion until I went to America. <laughs> <laughs> but well, saying wanna... that, I ordered, it was said, um, an Australian glass of wine, and I went, well, I'd need to order that, and it was huge. And in Australia, we have a responsible service of alcohol where you get very minimal drinks, <laughs> so oh. it's quite amusing. Well, if you're looking for uh, some more information about Australia cruising and just cruising in general, it's not even about Australia, I do recommend Pippa's uh, channel, Ocean Time. You can find it on YouTube. It's on Facebook. Um, check it out, oceantime.com.au. And it looks like you've actually got a couple of meetups coming up. You've got a Perth meetup in uh, in June, which is obviously not around the corner. But, hey, maybe someone's going to listen to this episode between now and then and put it on their calendar. Um, you got that. And then, of course, uh, an event that I guess I have to come to, which is the uh, <laughs> January 30th. 2020, uh, you've got hey, meet up as well. Yeah, in uh, what's that, Port Canaveral? I'm a planner. I love it. I've got you know my holidays for my or vacations for the next three years all planned and ready, and that's why I'm waiting for the itineraries to be released. We haven't spoken about that. So, what is it? Pretty much all of the world, their itineraries have been released for the 2021 seasons, um, but Australia, we're still waiting. I believe it's around April that it will come out. Yep, and you've got a uh, mixed feeling about better. Nobody knows the Cuba itineraries yet either, so you're not alone. It's you and Cuba. All right, but <laughs> but yeah, that is know. coming up on, the, uh, and that's right. There's uh, some more information uh, coming up with there with some of the itinerary releases. And I know that I get a lot of messages, not just from Pippa, from other Aussies as well. They're always like, Matt, what's the uh, what's the latest on when we're going to get Australian itinerary and sailings? And um, hey, you're doing it the right way, Pippa. I mean, that's that's honest. No matter where you're sailing from. The key to one of the getting the best deals is to you know book your cruise as far in advance as you can. It really does make a difference. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Pippa, thank you so much for joining us here and talking more uh, Australia cruises. I really appreciate you sharing your your firsthand knowledge and uh, and everything else in between. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Matt. Once again, we're answering your listener emails. This is the part of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast where I read the emails that many of you have sent me. And, of course, you want to send me your emails about Royal Caribbean Cruises, whether it's a question, a comment, an observation, whatever. Of course, you can always do so by sending it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email this week is from Michael Vitale, and he's writing to us about some first-time concerns he's heard about. And he writes, Matt, a concern I've heard expressed from first-timers is safety both on board and in port. Like something along the line of, quote, someone had a wallet rifled through by an attendant, or someone got robbed in Jamaica, or someone got attacked by a crew member, etc. Sensational stories they see online, and they get the impression that it's common. And you know what, Michael? This is very true, not only of cruising, but travel in general, right? You see a story about a certain part of the world, regardless of where it is, and people just, you know, it sticks with them. It just really does resonate with them, and it goes to the thing, you know, people start thinking, oh... You're going to that country or that place, and then they just have something over there. I mean, there are probably people that bring up, you know, uh, natural disasters that, that occurred years ago, and they still bring that up as a reason maybe not to go to one of those places. And we know as cruisers, look, do these things unfortunately happen? Of course. But crime and bad things happen everywhere in the world, including here in the United States or in the UK or even in Australia. I mean, unfortunately, it's a way of life. It's, it's part of life. But it's not to say that if just because an incident occurred... 
once or here or there that it is indicative of what you're going to experience or it's you know inherently unsafe far from it and uh yeah that's definitely a first time concern that should definitely not stop anybody from taking a cruise because it's just it, that's like saying oh i'm not going to go to new york city because you know there was a, a robbery there yesterday or something like that i mean that's just it, it, it's silly is what it is next we have an email from carl ebert down in puta gorda florida hi matt i thought it might want to share this story with your listeners in september we took a cruise on anthem of the seas to canada and new england our first international stop was in halifax nova scotia being the cheap scam my wife calls me i decided to turn on airplane mode on my apple iphone so we wouldn't pay for those marketing calls we spent time on the hop on hop off bus at lunch and gift shopping took pictures with the phone and other camera had a great time beautiful city when we got back to the cabin i panicked because i did not have the phone nowhere to be found so I went back off the ship, talked to the bus company, talked to the restaurant, talked to the security of port, talked to guest relations and security on the ship. No luck at all. Back in the cabin, decided to use your iPad and app Find My Phone. Guess what? Got to have internet turned on to find uh, the, my iPhone. Airplane mode doesn't work with that mode enabled. So moral of the story, if you're going to bring an expensive phone on the cruise, figure out what will cost more, the roaming charge or the replacement charge. Wow, Carl, I'm so sorry you have to go through that. I mean, I would, look... I, yeah, that's just a terrible situation there. Um, and, and I understand, you know, just, geez. Um, I, I'm not sure that I would incur the roaming charges on the off chance I might lose my phone regardless. But it's because, quite frankly, you might end up getting with a charge that's worse than that. But, um, man, a, a good indication nonetheless about also a good lesson to everybody to always keep track of their own personal stuff, right? Next, we have an email from Kathy Bohan of Providence, Rhode Island. Hi, Matt, and Happy New Year. I found your podcast shortly after taking our first cruise last April on the Disney Dream. Our family fell in love with cruising immediately, but I knew that future cruises on Disney would not fit our budget. However, I was afraid to try another cruise line after having such an amazing experience on Disney and the fact that I'm a Disney fanatic. So I binge listened to a year's worth of episodes on my commute to and from work for a month. You convinced me to give Royal Caribbean a try, and I booked a Christmas cruise on Independence of the Seas. We just returned from our five-night sailing, and it did not disappoint. It was absolutely remarkable. Our kids were ages 17, 13, 13, and 10, and preferred Royal Caribbean over Disney, as did my wallet. We pre-purchased the drink package with Voom, one device, refreshment package for all four kids, $200 in arcade credit, only paid $160, and the three-night dining package. Comparatively, the base price of the Disney Cruise for the same thing was still $5,000 more than Royal Caribbean, even with all those extras. After selling on Royal Caribbean, it now baffles me that anyone says Disney is worth the extra money. Amen, sister. All right, Kathy writes, We had a wonderful experience and I learned a lot from listening to your podcast. However, I still made a few mistakes that I would like to share in order to possibly help any future newbie cruisers. Number one. The three-night dining package on a five-night holiday sailing was not the best idea. We were not allowed to use the package for lunch or dinner on the Christmas Eve and, and Christmas, which happened to fall on days one and two, due to a special holiday dinner menus and pricing on those nights. This was not clearly specified when I made the purchase, especially since it made me choose a preferred dining time for day one or two in the cruise planner. Also, we were not allowed to use the $35 a la carte allowance at Playmakers or Johnny Rockets, which was too bad because my son did not want the sushi the day we went to Izumi for lunch, so one of our dining credits went unused. Although we enjoyed shops in Giovanni's table, we really missed the staff in the main dining room on those nights. Mistake number two. I pre-purchased the refreshment package and arcade credits. When my kids tried to use their CPass card for drinks on the second day, they were declined, even though they worked on the first day. I was told I needed to activate them at guest services. After doing so, something went awry with the arcade credit, and the $20 per day spending limit was somehow lifted, which I was not aware of until after my 13-year-old spent, spent another $30 in the arcade. 
I was lucky that I happened to be checking my folio while sitting in the Royal Theater waiting for Greece to begin. When I started scrolling and saw 10 transactions in a row for the arcade, I went sprinting out of the theater to the arcade to stop the madness. At 250 per game, he could have done some serious damage in the 90 minutes that the rest of us were enjoying Greece, which was amazing, by the way. Not sure how this could have been avoided, so please be careful, as I've been reading now that other guests have also had some debacles with the arcade credit. The machines don't seem to track the balances, and my son didn't realize he was spending the real money at the time. And lastly, photos. I really goofed on this. We were so busy and having such a great time every day and night that I totally forgot to visit the photo gallery before it was too late. I believe they told me the orders needed to be placed prior to 11 p.m. the night before. I got there at 11.15, so sad that we were all dressed up for Christmas and the ship was decorated so beautifully. Some valuable pieces of advice I learned two weeks before our sailing was not to purchase the dining package for my 10-year-old son, which I'd originally done but then canceled when you mentioned it on a recent podcast. And if you want something you don't see, just ask. The night we ate a chop scroll, the main dining room was serving chicken parmesan. Our server had told us the night before. My 10-year-old asked for it at chops, and they got it right for him. Such great service. And lastly, don't listen to the naysayers. I read so many negative comments about the ship, and we didn't experience anything remotely negative. We were on a sold-out sailing, and it didn't feel like it was overcrowded at all. We got seats at all the shows. No problem. We loved the ice show. Bar service was great. Entertainment was everywhere. We experienced all the activities, including laser tag, skypad, flow rider, etc., with reasonable wait times. Read your cruise compass and use it. No excuse for missing out. Everything is spelled out for you each day. I would highly recommend a Christmas sailing on Independence of the Seas. It was fabulous. Thanks again for all you do with the blog and podcast. Kathy, thank you so much for the email, and I'm so glad you're here. You had an awesome time, and that you're also a Disney Cruise Line convertee now. That's even better. Uh, I got to tell you, the uh, the experience that you had there is just, it, it really brings a smile to my face. I'm so glad you shared the three mistakes that you made there, because I think that's a really good point of learning for a lot of other people out there. You know, one of the struggles I always find with trying to share tips and advice for first-time cruisers or people that are new to Royal Caribbean is simply that there's just a lot that goes into it. And it's really easy to overlook maybe something that isn't big enough to make a blog post out of it, but is still, you know, some, a pitfall to be avoided. I'm really glad you mentioned some of those things here. I frankly didn't know about the arcade credit. My kids are still too young to be of the age they want to spend a lot of time in there. Uh, they certainly would if, that, if I'd let them, I suppose. But it is good to know that when we do get to that point of, okay, here's some arcade credit, you know, use it as you see fit, but this is what you're getting, that, you know, that that the, the system may not be exactly uh, very well tracked. So really good stuff there. And the photos, it's interesting. I thought when you were talking about the photos, you were going to say that you just didn't take any photos. But that's even worse. You took the photos, but you forgot to place the order. Man, yeah, that's one of the things. And this is also to kind of add on to that mistake. Don't wait for the last day to order your photos. I know sometimes it's it's an inevitability. Don't wait for the last night. Do it during the daytime. If you can just avoid the last day in general to go either to guest services or to the photo area, you're going to save yourself a line. Just, you know, there's just a lot. Everyone's trying to do it at those times. So if you can, try to mix it in, you know, go there periodically. So that way, perhaps you can take it all care of ahead of time and by the time you get down you know to the last day it's like ah oh, there's a couple photos but nothing really looked good or whatever and you're off to the races but you know you definitely want to make sure you do go there because after all if you don't uh you're going to um probably miss out on those photos because you really can't order them once the cruise is over so uh next we have an email from robert jaworski who writes hello matt thanks for the great blogs enjoy listening I'm from Sydney, Australia, and love cruising Royal Caribbean nearly Diamond Plus. My wife Mira and I are both prime level for Royal Caribbean's Casino Royale program and are able to receive two sailings to Royal Caribbean. Do we have to book it the cruises through the Casino Royale Miami, or can we book through a travel agent? We're thinking of doing an Eastern Western back-to-back sailing on Symphony of the Seas. Is the perfect take okay? Worth it? We love beaches and snorkeling. 
Thanks and hope to see you down under one day. Well worth the air travel, or I can recommend doing the Trans-Pacific Cruise. I did not plan to read this email on today, just happened to work that way, but it sounds like Robert and Pippa are coordinating together. All right, Robert, so great email. Thank you so much. You can, with the Casino Royale program, yes, you can actually book through a travel agent, uh, no matter whether it's a, you know, whatever the discount you're getting, a travel agent can help you there, so I would definitely recommend you do that. In terms of uh, Perfect Day at Coco Cay, obviously it's not open yet, Robert, but everything I'm seeing looks amazing. I can't wait to try it out myself, so uh, I think it'll definitely be worth it, and to do a back-to-back Eastern and Western, I think is a great idea, Robert, because not only you get to go on Symphony of the Seas, but you get to mix up the ports a little bit. I think it's a really, really good idea, so uh, thank you so much for, for the email there. Hopefully that answers your question there. Next, we'll have an email from uh, Bob from Bolton, New York. We're going to Coco Cay February 20th on Anthem of the Seas. What can we expect? Well, Bob, your sailing's coming up very soon, and you're going to go. You're going to encounter an island that is in the middle of a transformation. Now, don't worry. It's not a construction zone. It will not look like the Major Deegan Expressway. Um, you know, when there's, it's it's not like that at all, dude. That was my local reference for Bob. Um, <laughs> the point is that they're doing the work when the ship is not there. And while the pier will not be ready yet, Bob, the pier is not scheduled now to be done. It got pushed back again until about March. Uh, you're still going to be able to enjoy what I would call the traditional or classic Coco Cay Day. It's basically a beach day, Bob. You'll see some walls up uh, that like, basically quarantine off the areas in which Royal Caribbean is working. But that's relegated to one side of the island, whereas where you'll be will not be there. And like I said, they definitely try not to make the work impact uh, the guests over there. In my experience and also my observations and from other folks who visited the island more recently than I have, no one really ever complains like, oh, it was really loud and there's construction noise or it sounded like a construction site by any means. Royal Caribbean's really done a great job with it, which probably, honestly, I feel like because they've been limiting the work that's done when ships are there, that probably has hindered their timeline. You know, it slowed it down, certainly. But nonetheless, um, I think you're having an awesome time, Bob. But it's a, it's a beach day. Coco Cay is similar to Labadee, uh, Royal Caribbean's other private destination, is really all about just hanging out. What, you know, you're going to take the tender over to Coco Cay, and you're going to hang out and, you know, just have a nice day over there, if that makes any kind of sense. All right, next we have an email from uh, Lorraine from Central Florida. Hi, Matt. We booked our cruise at Next Cruise for my son's college graduation gift. I was so excited about the surprise cruise on Mariner this season May, one week after its graduation. It will be my husband and I in one cabin and then two kids in another. We decided to tell him during Thanksgiving break so they wouldn't make plans. Here comes the hiccup. He's planning to go to grad school, which starts right after graduation. We decided to hold off on a cruise with the kids until they both finished grad school in 2020, but my husband and I don't want to miss out on the new Mariner and Coco Cay. We have friends who are willing to take their place. How easy is this? Is it possible to, without costing an arm and a leg? Thanks in advance for everything you do. I love your blog and podcast. Lorraine, thanks for the email. So when it comes to changing names, um, it's a little... It can get dicey. If you have at least one person from the original reservation on there, you're okay. But it sounds like you are you have two reservations, one for the room that you and your husband are in, one for the room that the kids are in. Now the kids aren't coming. I think you're essentially looking at a cancellation. And the fact that you're putting two other people in there is just, in Royal Caribbean's system, what that means is that Lorraine is canceling one reservation then immediately making a new reservation, which essentially is what you're talking about doing. So, it would be different if your son was on the reservation. Like, let's say you had two – I think you said mentioned two kids. One kid's still on there, but you want to swap out a name. There's no cost changed for that. You're good to go. But the fact that you're obviously adding people and dropping – you're basically – I would be shocked if you weren't doing essentially a cancellation than a new booking because I don't think they're going to allow you to to swap out two, all the names on one reservation for two more names. Nonetheless, Lorraine, 
please don't just take what I'm saying for granted. Uh, I would still call it Royal. I would work, or better yet, work with your travel agent to sort this out for you, see what options there are. But my recollection of that is you, you, you if you're not if you don't have at least one name left on the reservation the original reservation you're kind of in that I, I don't want to say you're stuck but I think you're stuck I hate to say it I'd be the bearer of bad news there so yeah I hope you get better news than that but that's that's at least my recollection of it. that's also why I use a travel agent that way I just let them figure it all out for me I'm like oh that's the answer alright cool alright last last email for today is from Jen right say hey Matt Love the podcast and blog. I have a question for you. Our family is full of shameless big ship snobs. As a family, we've got an alert of the seas, independence, oasis, and harmony. When we went from alert to independence, our cat, our sons couldn't believe the ship only had one flow rider. Our next cruise is this June. We're selling a Radiance to Alaska. We're super excited for this cruise in the ports, but I'm worried Radiance itself will be a letdown. Anything you can tell us about Radiance that might excite my teen sons will be 13 and 15 in the summer. Any hidden gems we should look for. Thanks, and thanks again for your entertaining and informative podcast. Well, Jen, thank you so much for the email, and your whole family sounds like my wife. She's, if there's not a promenade, she's not a fan. Uh, not to say that she can't have a good time, but she certainly prefers them. And I think that's really the name of the game, Jen. You can certainly prefer, I'm sure your kids will still prefer, you know, the bigger ships. And that's totally okay. But first and foremost, you're going to Alaska. Alaska is amazing. And I hope that the places you'll be visiting will be of such interest and such uh, an intense experience that you're not going to have all that much energy to go do other things on board the ship. I mean, the thing I tell people all the time about going on smaller ships is, number one, it's about expectations. You know, you already know this, but there is no there is no Florida. There's no promenade. But that's not, that doesn't mean you're going to have a bad cruise, but it is important to know the differences so you're not wholeheartedly disappointed by them. There's certainly still a lot of entertainment, great live music, uh, fun events on board the ship, but, you know, really, um, I love the Radiance class. I think they're 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 a fun class of ships. They are, I, I love the look of them. Uh, I find quite a bit to do on there. And again, I think because of the fact you're going to Alaska and you're looking at a very poor intensive itinerary, you're not as dependent on the ship as it is when you're in the Caribbean and you're sailing to, you know, Falmouth and it's like, well, okay, you know, maybe we'll do a little bit here, but, you know, you're back on board before you know it. You've got a lot of sea days. That's not the case with Alaska cruises. So that may be a better way to to handle the situation, if you will. So hopefully that helps you, Jen. Hopefully this email was, and this show was helpful for everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. And, of course, you can always send me your emails about your upcoming cruises by sending to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg. We'll talk again soon.